0: hello and welcome to the podcast it's the love of god for me hosted by none other than lanisha a former non-believer turned into a believer of the gospel of jesus christ subscribe on apple and spotify for weekly mind-blowing interviews actionable tips powerful revelations and spiritual strategies that will transform your lives daily thanks for spending time with me today Now let's jump right into our daily dose of practical spiritual food. Christ, welcome to our show today. Norm Welch, he is, or he was a police officer, so he's no longer in that field. Currently with uh, uh, PTSD, I'm not sure if it's current, but I know that at one point of his life, he had PTSD, who found healing in God. Oh, there we go. (laughs) So so he he Mm. found healing, so of course that was in the past. And he's here today to talk to us some more on that. I'm sure there's so much more to him than what I mentioned, but I'm gonna leave him to get into that with you guys today. So Mr. Welch, welcome to our show today. We're so happy to have you, sir.
1: Uh, thank you. I'm honored to, to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I know that um, our family here as well, we, we are all excited to have you. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about who is Norm Welch? I know there's so much more to you than this. So, I mean, go ahead and share with us. Who are you?
1: Oh, well, first of all, I'm a man of God. That's the, the biggest thing. And um, I'm a survivor of trauma you know, and um, I'm here to talk about, you know, how God does heal. So if anybody is suffering from any childhood um, overwhelming events that might have occurred or even occurred, um as an adult, there there is hope and there is healing. And that, that's the, the message I want to make sure everybody understands through God, there is hope and there is healing.
0: Amen. Amen. And I love your introduction because it's just all about God. Like there's yeah there's no nothing in there that i hear you say okay i'm this and i'm that well nothing is wrong with you know getting into like you know who we are as a person but the fact is you're saying i without god i'm nothing so yeah. it's all about him amen oh yeah. amen. So i hear you say that you are a servant of the lord where did this all started for you? I want you to just take us back to uh, some of your years, you know, as a child and, mm. and what did that look like for you?
1: Well, I, I grew up, um, my parents were, were there, but I was a only child. So I was spoiled <laughs> and um, I come from a Christian family. However, like most Christians here, you know, we went to church maybe once or twice Easter and and Christmas Eve and that was really about it. And we really didn't, I wasn't taught anything about um, Christianity or or who God is or who Jesus is. And I I believe that's the case in most homes. You know, it's very few that we actually learn who God is. And so when I became a police officer at the age of, um, I think it was 24, it's, I, I, I began to see all the evil in this world, all the worst that Satan has to offer, right, the the inhumanity to each other. And I really began to realize that I don't think there is a God, you know, because everybody says that God is this loving, kind Father, but there's so much suffering in this world, it just doesn't seem like it is. So I basically became agnostic. Um, It's not that I didn't believe, but it, it was like, there's something there, but I just don't know what, because all I'm seeing is evil. I mean, I'm not any out of the ordinary, any other police officer, we all see the horrific things, you know? And so through my career, I, with the traumatic events that you go through at least, you know, once a week, I mean, it's estimated that officers with a 20 year career go through over 200 critical events in their, in their time. And there was really no way to deal with them because as we grew up and especially in my era i'm I'm 62 now you you were taught by parents and then i was taught later by the police department you don't say anything you know you go through life you deal with whatever you got to deal with and just keep moving forward you know and i think that's a really a bad prescription for emotional wounding And um, so later as I was um, going through my career, I ended up getting this neurological disease which is um, called peripheral neuropathy. So that's the deadening of the nerves in the extremities. And then that was complicated by another diagnosis of it's called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease which is an atrophy of the muscles in the extremities. So and that put me into a um, a time where I needed a lot of surgeries on my feet. I went through 30 surgeries in a 10 year period on my feet. So you can imagine that the time that I actually worked was, was minimal, um, but I was well-respected and um, they, they gave me a lot of time off and a lot of um, you know light duty time. But during that time when I was having PTSD issues, um, anxiety attacks, panic attacks, um, a lot of depression, I realized that the medication they were giving me, um, the opioids, was not really doing anything for the physical pain, but man, it did a lot for my emotional pain. It just numbed me to a point where I didn't really feel anything. And that was almost a a godsend because, you know, anybody that is experiencing the aftermath of of an overwhelming or traumatic event knows what you go through. And so I became addicted to to opioids. I, don't, I didn't really believe it at the time, but looking back now, I, I see that I was addicted, and, and okay. that was the start of a, a slow, you know, downfall.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let us uh, pause right there because there's mm. so much yeah I know. for us to for us to unpack, and it's such an interesting. Um, testimony so far so um, I want us to take a few steps back you know so you said that you were raised in church right Um well, I
1: was raised technically as a Christian that didn't go to church
0: okay right okay so you were raised as a Christian um, but didn't go to church right correct uh huh and so you have an idea who God was when you were growing up But being exposed to the real world, you said you became a police officer at age 24. What made you chose that career?
1: Well, I started off as an auto mechanic and um, I I liked that because I was racing cars at the time. And, but I I felt a calling, right? I, I really felt that I wasn't in the right career. And one night I went on what's called a ride-along, so you can you know, ride in the police car with an, a full officer and, and experience what, what happens and, and watch. And I did that one night and I knew that was my calling. I knew that I wanted to help people. I knew that I wanted to um, just, just be in, in service to the community. So I went to the police academy and then I got hired after the police academy and um, um, I stopped being a, a mechanic
0: okay so you felt like this was your calling and then so while you're in this field i mean reality kicks in like you you (laughs) see another side of the world that you didn't know exists um and do you want to talk to us a little bit more on that what was one of your most um i don't want to say terrifying but what it. What was that experience? Uh, maybe you don't want to go too much in detail, but what was that experience that caused you to say, okay, no, something is wrong somewhere?
1: Well, it, it wasn't just one, it's cumulative, which means it's this it's many, many are put together. Um, one of my first horrific calls was a plane crash. Um, so I, I'm, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and there was this mall in the city that um, I was working. And one night or one late afternoon, this airplane was um, going to land in this neighboring city and something happened to the pilot, a medical condition. And it was December 23rd. And so it, it plane crashed right through the ceiling of this mall, right about 100, not even 100 yards, maybe 80 yards from where Santa and the kids were in line to, to talk to Santa. And there was, I believe there was 14 um, um, fatalities and a hundred um, serious injuries. And when I got there, it was like a war scene, you know, and those things you you can't unsee, you know, <laughs> you just you can't unsee. And then, you know, the the way law enforcement is, and, and I shouldn't even say law enforcement, first responders, you know, and I'm gonna include um, ambulance um, personnel, you know, paramedics, firemen, um, emergency room nurses and doctors you just can't have time to process that until the next call comes right so once the scene is is basically secure and the people are brought off to the to the hospital and then you're waiting for the investigators you go to the next call and the next call might be something just as bad or it might be something as mundane as a vehicle burglary where you just got to take fingerprints and stuff but you have absolutely no time to process and then back in those days, you know, that, this early policing where, you know, you, you didn't, we were never taught about stress or, or PTSD. You know, I didn't even know what, what it was until, you know, in the late 2000s because it just wasn't something that was brought up. It wasn't in the police brochure, you know, help people earn a good living and, you know, develop PTSD from the things you see, it just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was one call. Um, I, I worked traffic for a little bit, and that means that you take accident reports. And we have a, tr- a train that runs through the city, and um, there was homeless people living near the tracks. So I think I took about eight eight via, uh, train versus pedestrian um, accidents, and you can imagine what a body looks like after it's been hit by a train at 60 miles an hour mm. and I was you know tasked with the responsibility of helping the coroner pick up body parts and to put them in a bag you know so it's all these things you know going to a call of a four-year-old girl that was molested by her uncle and having her tell you what her uncle did I mean it's all these things and again right after the call you got to go to something else you know there's no. Um, there's no processing, and it's still today that the culture in first responders is such where if you ask for help, you're shunned, right? You, you're right. considered weak. First responders are an are um, interesting culture because it's a warrior mentality, right? You have to have that warrior attitude to go get them, to jump into the fire, to, to run towards the shots when people are running away from the shots that are fired. You know, you have to have that attitude. They don't want you um, crying at, at every crime scene where, where somebody is, is passed away or, or somebody's injured. You have to have that mentality. And then if you don't have that mentality, the other officers look down upon you and think that you're weak. And if the, anybody thinks that you're weak, you're gonna be shunned and you're not gonna be able to work with anybody. So it's a very difficult community to work within because there's a lot of faking it, right? There's a lot of putting on this mask. I'm a strong person. I can deal with it. But many nights when I got home after seeing children injured and I had little children, um, two, three in the morning, uh, I would just be crying downstairs, you know, so nobody would see me. It's it's, um, mm. it, and no knowledge on how to, how to fight it, how to combat it, right? Because I didn't know God. Nobody ever taught me proper coping mechanisms and luckily i never drank i didn't never liked alcohol so i never drank um but i know a lot of friends in in, in the um uh, first responder culture that that drink and, and that helps them and um, that's why later on i think that I was real susceptible to the the opioid pills
0: wow wow that that is i i i don't know what to make of all of that i mean it's it's I think for us to hear it and to experience it is completely two different thing. and just by hearing all the things that you saw well some of the things you saw there which I'm sure is not even, is not even a quarter of what you experienced right yeah. it, it it's really traumatizing I mean, for, for anyone whether you're a male or female to deal with there's a stigma that men are to just always be tough mm. and no emotions and just deal with it but the truth is we're all human we have we, you know there's some things we just it's going to be hard to deal with um, so guys for those of you that are listening today maybe you don't know what PTSD means I kind of want to break that down briefly for you uh, PTSD is post traumatic stress disorder um, and what this means is it is a disorder that um, develop in some people who have experienced a shocking scary or dangerous event right um, it is natural to feel afraid during or after a traumatic situation so it's like that fear that triggers you know um because of a trauma that you experienced, that that intense, um, again, fear or shock or scare um, because of danger. And so um, that's what it means when uh, Mr. Welch talk about, you know, having diagnosed with that. Um, I, I, I honestly think that when it comes to the law enforcement field, whether you're a police officer or you are a soldier, whatever you're called to do in that area of career, it's one of the most difficult jobs that there is to do. um, Even though it's not, um, how can I put it? It's not, um, I'm looking for that word. (laughs) You know, it's not valued the way it should you know um but when i say valued i mean those who are not in that field those who are not in that career it's so easy for us to you know pass stigma or just to, yeah. to degrade um those you know our police or fellow police officers and, and women police you know officers in general but the truth is if we were in that field it would be a complete different different, different experience um and i don't think a lot of the judgment that we pass on our fellow police officers i don't think we would have done that if we know what it needs to be one right um and i don't think that there's no amount of preparation that can help one to prepare for such field uh no amount of training can prepare you to for what you will experience in the real world and as um mr welchie says it's just one trauma to the next. So there's no break. There is no, you know, pause and get yourself together. You know, it's just OK, you attend to this call and, you you know, something else and then it's something else. And it's just trauma mm. from the start of the shift to the finish.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and, and I, I can't imagine what how that feels mentally, you know, because if I just go through one single trauma in a day, and I'm stressed out, you know? (laughs) I can't imagine seeing over and over and over um, experiences like what Mr. Welch mentioned. And so because of this, you you were diagnosed with uh, PTSD. I want to take this time to salute my fellow uh, police officers, soldiers, all of those that you're out there, you're in law enforcement. If you're hearing this podcast today, I'm, I may not know what it feels like, you know, to be in that, in that career, but I, I know a lot of um, police officers and, and a lot of persons who are in that field and I can tell you, I have an idea, you know, of what you guys have to go through out there, but we want you to know that our priors are with you mm-hmm. and um, stay strong and continue to do what you're called mm-hmm. to do um yeah and so mr welch you 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 start to experience all these things and then you started to question you know whether god is real i mean i i can definitely understand where why you would even wonder that you know um mm-hmm. so tell me so before you uh got to the the place of you know being hospitalized and having to do the surgeries um what was your relationship like what did it became with God having now starting to experience the real real world?
1: Well, there there was still no relationship during that time. It wasn't until the the when I was down, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the last the last thing. I mean a lot of times God will allow us to 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 keep going until we finally hit rock bottom, to where we look up and, and seek a a savior and a redeemer, but yeah, it, it wasn't for a while until um, um, I found I, well, I shouldn't say I found him, but that I really acknowledged that there was a a, a true God, and um, so I, I I was going along, and I was I was a basically a basket case, but I was I was making it through the days. And then my daughter came down, she was 24 at the time. She came down with a serious um, a, a liver, she had liver tumors, and they were in such position around the artery that the doctor said that she probably would not make it through the surgery um, to, to remove three quarters of her liver. And, um, and that really set me into a downward spiral where I, I attempted suicide two times because I, I just I, I couldn't deal with life anymore. I started doing a lot of stupid stuff at work, trying to almost get other people to to shoot me and, and kill me, so that I wouldn't have to go through it. I mean, my mind was just—I was whacked out. I was whacked out of my mind, and that's what what drugs and sin do, right? They just play havoc in your system because it's a war against the spirit and the flesh, and, and that war just causes us to to continue in sinful behavior. And I was a slave slave to that sin, and that's when I, I made some stupid decisions. A friend asked me to steal some drugs out of, um, out of the evidence locker. I did, I gave it to him, and the next day I got arrested. So this is where, where God finally comes in. So I'm arrested, I bail out of, of jail, and um, one night uh, a pastor calls me. I don't know who the guy is. And he says, I'm Pastor Jeff Kenny, and um, I got your phone number from a friend of a friend. And I'd just like to invite you to church. We have counseling there and we know what you're going through and it's difficult, but we, we want to, to um, um, help you. But because of my you know, my attitude about God, I, I told him, you know, okay, maybe I'll come to church, maybe I'll come to church, but I declined the offer. And he said, okay, well, but, you know, we're always open. And you know, before I, I hang up, let me pray for you. And I said, ah, go ahead. So he prayed the sinner's prayer, which I had no idea what the sinner's prayer was, right? And so at the end of the prayer, he says, "Do you take, um, you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior?" And I didn't know what to say, and I didn't want to be mean or rude, so I said, "Sure." And he said, "Okay, our doors are always open." So I hung up. I went to the uh, my my wife into the couch, and she looks at me and she sees something. She goes, "Well, what, you know, you all right?" And I said, "You know, I don't know." I, I, I feel a little bit better, you know, almost like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And she had been born, uh, you know, uh, not born, but she she was a Christian all her life. And um, she just didn't really say anything because of my views. And so we went to church the next week. And um, it was so, I I can't even uh, describe it. It was so love. It was so everybody hugged us and they didn't know who we were.
0: Mhm. Welcomed welcomed it, it was, was just a, a, a cool experience
1: and, and the pastor, pastor was um, a great person and so i really wasn't 100% sold on the on the um, god thing i guess i could say but one one sunday the the pastor he stopped in the middle of a sermon and he said hey i want to pray for norm's daughter because she's getting a biopsy because we agreed to do a biopsy before we did the surgery and and the whole congregation prayed for her a couple weeks later we did the biopsy a couple weeks after that we got the results and um, the the doctor basically didn't know what to say the doctor said you know our last scan showed no tumors I I don't even know how to explain it and he showed me both scans right the one scan that you could see the tumors and the new scan that was clean Mm -hmm. I don't know how to um, explain it Mm -hmm. and right then I realized that God is there and God is a, a loving God and a merciful God and since that time I've been on fire for, for the Lord and, oh. and that was that was the moment when I believed.
0: Mm. when you said that about um having seen the like uh, the scans right i felt a chill just mm-hmm. came over me um and i i could just know that God that, that that was God, you know?
1: Yes.
0: yes. That was God. And I think that 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 was the Lord's way of showing you that despite the bad, you know, despite the the crazy things that's happening in your life at the time, he's real. He's real and he's able. Um he's he's the one why we are not perished, you know. He's the mm-hmm. one why the worst of the worst um have not happened to most of us you know or some of us rather he's just there through it all no matter what happened he's there and and that's just the love of the Mm. father Mm. um so so now you're you know you you're you came to this place and um the pastor prayed and you saw the miracle of the lord Mm. fold in your life um I, I wanted to ask you though know, because you mentioned something earlier which i'm sure maybe there's some that are tuning in today they kind of want to know as well um so w- after you came out of the hospital did you went back to work because um, you said this was it was during this time that you got addicted to the, the medication that you were getting um from those surgeons that you did did you go back to work or what, what happened there?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was basically about, you know, two, um, three surgeries a year. So I would go in for surgery. I have to be off for about four weeks in a cast and um, then I'd go back to full duty. I'd work full duty about, you know, three or four months and then bam, you know, I, I would develop another ulcer. An ulcer is a, um, like a huge blister that comes on the bottom of your feet and you have to take care of them. Otherwise they'll get infected. And so that required the removal of bones and, the, uh, you know, putting plates and screws, all, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, then I went back into surgery and then I had to come out and another month wait. And, you know, so, but yes, um, I, I had to go back to work. I mean, I, I was too young to retire, you know, this was not an on the job injury. So I, I, couldn't, um, just re- retire and, and get paid. I, this would have, um, without going back to work, I, I wouldn't have been able to to pay for my kids school and pay for my rent and housing and stuff so and plus you know i I have i had that warrior mentality which basically wouldn't allow me to admit defeat at least to to a disease you know this disease is either going to kill me or i'm going to defeat it and and that was my attitude at the time but you know uh, a first responder the way they think of themselves is their their identity is what they do. So most people work as, you know, I'm, I'm a tax accountant. So you, you're you're a man that that's a tax accountant or a woman that's a tax accountant. But when you're in a first responder, I am a fireman. I I am a doctor. This is this is what I am. This is who I am. And that was that's really a bad thing to identify yourself as is your career, right? I mean, like I identified myself at the beginning. I'm really uh, I'm first of all I'm a child of God. And I'm a I'm a husband after that, and then I, I what I do in my career is this, but that's not true for this this uh, law enforcement culture. You are the the job. You're a cop 24/7, 365. There's no breaks. There there's no um, ability to walk away. I mean, I would go hundreds of miles away on vacation with my wife and there'd be someone there that recognized me, you know, Hey, you arrested me. And, you know, and you always have to have to be vigilant. So when your whole, when your whole identity revolves around your job and you see that you're losing it. So what happened towards the end there, my hands started to, to, uh, my fingers started to curl, right. And I lost the feeling in my hands. So I couldn't zip a zipper. I couldn't button a button. My wife had to put Velcro in my shirts. Um, now now I can't even hold a pill bottle. I can't hold a bottle of water. And they're starting to do surgeries on my hand now to try to see if they can get it fixed. But there there seems to be no, no cure for this. So w- when your whole identity is that and you're losing that job, which means you're losing your identity. There's so many police officers that commit suicide after they retire because they're no longer a cop. Now they're a former cop, you know, ex cop, and the, the suicide rate is very high. Uh, police officers, in general, have the highest rate of suicide just because of the PTSD, because of, of these things that I've been talking about. So that's that's why I had to go back to work. And I thought to myself that if I can get myself killed in the line of duty, I would go out a hero. Now that, that's stupid, right? I mean, it, it's okay. really stupid because. What if I just got shot in the leg and I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't walk anymore or something? You know, I mean, it's just, but this is how your mind works when you're, you're, you know, um, first of all, you're, you're doped up on these pills. And second is you're, you're just locked in depression, you know, and, and Satan's just constantly at your ears saying, you're no good. You know, you, you, you're going to um, live the rest of your life in a wheelchair and, you know, all, all these things that, that, that Satan comes up with. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's. I had to go to, back to work, and there was no ifs, ands or buts about that. I was way too young to retire. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what is the sickness call that you? Is it from the PTSD or?
1: N- no, the well the surgeries were from the dis- the neurological disease. Mm-hmm. My PTSD was just emotional wounds, and you, you talked about PTSD, and your definition of PTSD was was spot on, and um, and and that's awesome. But what I want to, to make sure that people understand is, is PTSD is also a response to an overwhelming event in your life that you just are unable to resolve or reconcile. So if, um, say, say a, a, a couple has a really contentious divorce and they're fighting about the kids, they're fighting about the money, you know, you, you could be traumatized by that. Uh, a dog bite can be a traumatizing, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a life or death situation Mm -hmm.
0: yes, yes thank you for shining light on that for us Um, it's really a lot for one person to experience Um, but through it all I'm glad that you you know, the Lord showed up and the Lord is continuing Mm -hmm. to show up You, you mentioned that you mentioned
1: your daughter how is she today the Lord healed her you know well Um, well, when I when I I finally got sentenced to prison so I went to prison and it was just amazing Then that's when I started seeing God's work in his hand the prison that I went to they had a seminary come in Tyndale um, Seminary in, in Bible College in Texas they came in and taught classes. I got a job at the chapel. Then I started studying. I started um, trying to get my degree. and eventually I got my degree, uh, master's degree in theology and counseling. And then through this time, Jennifer just um, to just it just kept going and she got she's healthy and now she has children and it's just awesome to see. And I kept going too, and I, I got my doctorate in Christian counseling. And I got a certificate in chaplaincy and drug addiction. So um, I'm working now as an addiction counselor. And I I am a mental health coach, a, a Christian mental health coach. And um, I, I, I just I'm trying to put out the word there that there is healing. God can heal. When I went through this Christ-centered process, I don't want to call it steps, but like this process, um, I was healed on my PTSD. I haven't had a PTSD symptom now in probably almost 12 years. It's it's just been awesome, and I've been teaching that in congregations and um, in in the prison where the majority of the inmates there are suffering some type of um, emotional wounds.
0: Amen, amen. I'm so glad to know, um, you know that everything God is working out for your good uh i heard you said something earlier in your uh, while you were sharing your testimony that currently your hands are not able to you're still having some issues with your hands yeah. that i hear yeah. right yes all right i just want uh, to um just pray with you quickly Oh, thank you. Um, yeah when you said that i just felt the need to pray with you and i this i mean i will continue even to pray with you after um the show today i just want for those who are listening right now and you have faith uh if if there's anyone that's listening and you're not sure if god can do it then you know we 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 want persons who who have faith who you know that god is able to do exceedingly far above what we could ever even think to ask because this is our brother in christ and we want to stand in the gap Uh, for each other Mm. and so just join with me your faith today because we know that faith is able to move the hands of the Lord. Father Mm. in in your precious, 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 precious name we approach your throne today and Lord we thank you for this moment. Lord you said that we should pray for one another Mm. and Lord as I You know stand in the gap not just myself but i'm sure there are those that will hear this um session today will hear this episode today and they too want to join together praying for your son lord we pray for your son norm welch lord god and this Mm. condition that he's experiencing you have brought him a mighty long way and you who have started this great work in him will finish it so lord we thank you we thank you you your word declared by your stripe lord jesus christ we are healed and i decree and declare today that it is so for no i pray father that by your stripes his entire body is healed from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet and we rebuke the spirit of infirmity in the name of jesus christ of nazareth and father we thank Mm -hmm. you now by faith we believe that healing is his bread as it is written healing is the children's bread so we decree and declare that healing is your son's bread today and we give you thanks your word said we should be anxious for nothing but in all things make our prayer and supplication Mm. with thanksgiving unto you. So today we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Even though we might not see yet, we thank you. And we believe that according to your perfect will for his life, Mm. it shall be so. In Jesus' name, Mm. amen.
1: Amen. Powerful, powerful. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. God bless you. Um, yes, uh, so many things you unpacked today for us, uh, Mr. Welch, and I'm I'm so glad to hear from another police officer. In fact, I think it was in season four we had some guests on our show. Um, uh, was it one or two? If my memory could serve me right, but I think one uh, came on season show and season four. Sorry, shared hmm. his testimony of what it is like to be in the field i mean he talked about some some trauma too that he himself experienced so i know that this is not easy it's not an easy career path what would you say to those that are considering join you know to join the law enforcement especially our young people what's your um advice to them
1: well this is not just for um the first responders but for everyone is to to first of all have a personal relationship with Jesus because that is the most important thing and in understanding who he is and who he sees you as in other words understanding that he is sovereign that nothing occurs without his knowledge and that he loves you unconditionally no matter what those are the two most important things and I I mentioned that in the book that it's so important to to have that faith second of all not to conceal anything to to speak speak of what happened, you know, maybe you can't speak to your fellow um, uh, law enforcement or firemen, but maybe there's another friend that you could speak with See, in in first responder culture, you slowly push away all your civilian friends right? Because they don't understand you. That's what we think, but they don't understand you. They don't understand what we're doing. They don't understand why we party and drink, you know, to, to release all this, this, um, pent up frustration and bitterness, you know? And so we only hang out with other police officers or firemen or, or whatever the case with doctors, whatever the case may be. And this is really bad. We need people from other walks of life to ground us right to to be honest with us and say hey you know i see some personality changes in you and you know do you do you you need to talk you know are you okay and the biggest thing i think most male cops do is to keep everything away from their wife you know i mean no matter what horrific thing i've seen you know multiple dead bodies or or whatever uh, my wife say how was your day oh fine yeah just normal you know no (laughs) it's not it's not you know, just say, hey, you know, I, I, had a, I had a tough day. Now, you don't have to just, you know, tell every detail of the blood and guts and glo- glory. But, you know, sit down and speak with your spouse and and, and just, or, or if you have parents or whoever and, and say, hey, yeah, you know, I, I had a tough day today, you know, I, and um, I could really use someone to talk to. Because keeping secrets, and this is for all secrets, not just in PTSD related stuff, but keeping all secrets is bad right? This is not something that, that God wants us to do. And, and it causes a lot of stress and anxiety within us that someone's going to find out that secret. So that would be the first thing is is the relationship. And the second is to, to talk with somebody. And if you're really hurting and if you're feeling um, bitterness, resentment, anger, frustration, um, uh, hypervigilness, you know, seek out help, you know, whether it be a secular counselor or whether it be a Christian counselor. And I believe that the church has a big role here that they should be filling, that most churches are not. There are some good churches, but I should be able to go to my church pastor or, or hopefully they'll have a Christian counselor on staff and say, hey, this is, this is what's going on and I need to talk. Because if we're seen at a, a, a secular counselor, psychiatrist's office and another officer or officer's wife sees us, you know, there's gonna start the whole thing again about weakness. And that's why, if we can go to a church, you know, I, I think the church has a real role that they could fulfill here if, if they so choose.
0: Amen. Amen. So, guys, if you are considering to um, venture down a, pot, a path of law enforcement, you heard from Norm Welch, an ex police officer his three tips are one, you need a relationship with Christ if you're going to survive this path. Two, talk to somebody. And three, don't be afraid to seek help. I think that is some great tips right there, guys. And um, uh, I don't know, uh, Norm Welch, if you have anything on your heart and you feel like the Lord would want you to you know, maybe scripture something to encourage those who are currently in that field. And maybe they're listening to you today and they too are going through PTSD. They too are not um, even communicating these things to their spouse. I was going to ask you, you know, how did your wife, um, you know, handle all of this, while you were going through it, then you you answered the question immediately as I was thinking about it. You mm. started to talk about, you know, uh, when your wife would ask you, how was your day? You just respond, everything is fine. And so I'm sure there are some persons that are listening to you today. They, they too are not opening up to their spouse. And I, I was trying to envision that, like what that must have looked like. Maybe there are times, you know, you have so much things bottled in and maybe Mm. other little things around the house it irritates you and you're probably your spouse you know is wondering what's wrong with him or you know why is he always like this but they don't know Mm. that there's you're, you're barely holding on by a thread. So what would you say to those police officers or those first responders that are in the field, the doctors, the, the firefighters, all of them that are in this field right now? You haven't gone through it. So but, like you're at yeah. the mountain top looking down, what would you mm-hmm.
1: say? Uh, well, it started off for me with depression so i literally for months i would be depressed i would come home from work on my days off i'd just be sitting on the couch eating and watching tv and isolating myself and my wife said at one point you need to get some help this is not normal you are not the man i married you're not the man i dated things have changed and you need to go seek help but then comes that warrior mentality going hey if you would just leave me alone i would be fine right i mean i just you try to turn things around and and you manipulate people because you don't want people to know that you're hurting because again, you don't want to seem weak. So, um, this, this is one of the reasons I wrote this book too, is it, I talk about PTSD. I talk about overwhelming life events and how it affects our emotions and what God designed our emotions for and how we abuse them. So this book is not just for, Cops. It, it was made for anybody that has um, uh, um, emotional wounds, uh, maybe a divorce, uh, uh, prior uh, abuse in a childhood, um, and not just for them, but for their families, their friends, their mothers, sisters, brothers, to un- more understand what th- the emotional wounds look like, and and how to actually help them and how to approach them um, in a, um, a a kind Um, uh, an imposing kind of of way for them to listen, because in in that field, um, that culture, uh, they're not going to listen. So my advice to those guys is that if someone tells you that you have changed, believe it, because they know who you were before. And and it's, it's not a character change. What happens is we just change our behavior to to stop being triggered by those things that that upset us right so we we're, were it's not actually personality change we just change our behavior but that behavior is noticeable to others around us and so if somebody says i'm seeing a behavioral change please you know um realize that they're being just being honest and they're trying to help mm-hmm.
0: yes yes indeed i i agree with you on that don't don't um continue to shut yourself in because the result will not it will not profit you um, so as we close today um, Norm is there anything uh, you want to talk to us a little bit more on Christ Center I heard you mention that before uh, is, is is there anything else you want us to know about Christ Center
1: well I just want to say that god created us it's only god that can heal us right i'm not putting down secular counseling secular counseling basically saved my life because taught me coping skills but if you really want to heal from it god lays out that that prescription in the bible and um what i do in this book is i lay out all the the scriptures that relate to it and explain what they mean to our healing and um, we talk about confession repentance and who God is and who you are and all that kind of stuff and in the back I have a bunch of prayers to to basically do a spiritual cleansing and um, so far it's worked on a hundred percent of the people that we've talked to and taught and there is healing God God will heal you it's just when when we when we do a um, sinful coping skill like um, over-drinking or, or using drugs, we basically fall out of fellowship with God. And when we do, again, like I stated before, we we feel this warring between our spirit and, and the flesh, and that's what's causing our, our negative emotions, our, our outbursts and our anger. So th- this is a, a comprehensive book that talks about everything in uh, the healing. and on my website, I have a, um, it it puts an email out where if you have any questions about it, you can email me. If you're in the first responder culture and you're afraid to talk to anybody else, but you want, um, um, to talk to somebody, I'll I'll be there for you to do that. Um, because there's no other joy than to have this healing. I mean, I was in prison way before I went to prison and now I just, uh, I I experienced the peace and joy that that God promises in the Bible. And um, like I said earlier, there is hope, so please don't give up hope. There is hope to heal.
0: That was so profound, especially the part when you said, I was in prison before I even entered into prison. Mm -hmm. I hope you guys catch that. I mean, he's saying that, listen, spiritually, I was already in prison before I even got in prison physically you know and um, but Jesus Christ is is that first um, prescription of course we want to make sure that we start there and we end there because it's all in him yes. you know as it is written all things are made by him through him and for him and nothing was made without him where can we find your book um Mr
1: Welch well, you can go to my website, which has a link to the publisher, which is Christ-centeredhealing.com. Christ-centeredhealing.com, and um, you can go to Amazon. It's on Amazon also. Christ-centered healing of trauma. Um, you can so you can get it there also. And, um, like I said, I'm, I'm available if if you you need something. You know, um, oh, I mean, I can't go over all all the book emails but if there's specific questions you have please please feel free to to call me because i know what it's like to be oppressed by by satan in this this um this 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 sin that we keep doing over and over again to make ourselves feel better
0: amen amen guys uh get your copy i do think that this book can be there's so much we can learn from this book especially those who are currently struggling in this area Um, and here we have a mental health coach with us Mm. I will be leaving with you guys the description in the description link below all the contacts that you can get in touch with uh, Mr. Welch in case you know again you want to talk to someone I know it's always better to talk to someone who knows what it feels like who has been there um, who, who understands right and so if you are you know feeling any of the things that were discussed today especially if you are suffering from PTSD or anything of that sort you can get in touch with Mr. Welch and I'm sure that God will you know, do what he wants to do in that connection. Mm. Um, is there any last word before we wrap things up, Mr. Welch?
1: No, I just thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing me to share. I just want to stop the stigma of people denying or of being afraid to come forward and ask for help. So thank you.
0: Yes, yes. And I I think especially our men, especially our men, because of our you know men are raised to be tough to don't say anything Mm. to just deal with it be a man men don't cry Mm. no no that no we are breaking traditions i i was in church today and there was a song I, i i it's the first time i ever heard that song but the 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 part that stood out to me the most is you know was the songwriter says jesus break all my traditions break mm. all my religions and we need god to really just break mm. up traditions shake the ground of traditions and and really just get us that place where we we um where we we feel safe in him mm. true boy he's a friend and the, the great thing about the Lord is that when we come to him, he says, take all your burden to me and I will mm-hmm. give you rest. He knows how to give us rest. He'll probably connect us to someone, for example, like Mr. Welch, who has been there, you know, to really help, to help us to unpack all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, God, he just knows what to do, when to do. And, and you're not yet saved. I hope that, um, something was said today that pricked your heart enough to know that it is Jesus or nothing at all. At the end of the day, you know, when it's all said and done, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure Mr. Welch can agree with me on this one. There's sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to go through some tough, tough times. If you have not already been there, guys, yes. where all you will see is Jesus because even the closest person to you will not be able to go through that season with you. Mm. Do you know that you can live in a house with with family or friends or even roommates and you're going through a very dark season and they cannot come in that season with you? They they are not able to go through that season with you. And so all of that you're going through and it's going to take the grace of the Lord to see you through that. Mm. And so make Jesus your Lord and you know it's not we're not trying to force you or we're not trying to we're just trying to share the love of God because mm-hmm. we know what it, it 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 feels like and we've been there and I can safely say I would not choose any it to be any other way for me and I I think Mr. Welch would agree finding mm-hmm. this was the best thing that I have ever done mm-hmm. amen amen Amen. Praise God. So thank you so much, uh, Mr. Welch, for coming today and for sharing with us and for being a voice for many. I know that um, we are. I am blessed by your testimony, by the way. And thank you so much for, you know, being so transparent and sharing with us even what it feels to be in the in the field of law enforcement and what that looks like. And all the trauma you experienced, but out of that came victory, yes. and you were able to establish that relationship with Christ quickly. Before you go, what is your relationship with Christ today?
1: Oh, that consumes my life, really. I mean, when I wake, when I wake up in the morning, it's prayer. When I go to bed, it's prayer. During the day, I'm just so grateful to to be at home. I'm grateful to have a family. I'm grateful that He provides, and I'm grateful that He made a purpose for me you know I, I could be a bitter retired old ex-cop but i have a purpose you know and i know this is my purpose and um, i'm eager to fulfill it for the kingdom
0: amen amen awesome there you have it guys um god is amazing and he continues to do great mm. and wonderful things I think that's where we will come to an end for today's EP, guys. What a wonderful conversation with Norm Welch. And um, all the best in your purpose. I will continue to pray for you, Mr. Welch. And I know that God, again, he will finish that, which he has started in you. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for coming on the show. Guys, until next time, this is where we say goodbye. Always remember that the Lord loves you. And no matter what you face in life, just continue to stay anchored with Jesus. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord continue to shine His face down upon you, upon your family. May He grant you grace in all your ways. Always remember to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ and He will direct your path. See you next time. I love you, but God love you more. God bless you all. Bye guys. Are you searching for powerful insights and divine revelations to deepen your relationship with God? look no further. Introducing Bible Nation International, your go-to source for spiritual growth and enlightenment. We are a people that believes in the power of prayer, unity, love, and most importantly, studying the Word of God. Every Wednesdays and Saturdays at 7 p.m., join us for an unforgettable journey as we together dive deeper into the mysteries of faith and unlock the secrets to a more meaningful relationship with God. At Bible Nation International, we believe in sharing profound insights that resonate with your soul. You can learn more on our blog site, where you will find thought-provoking articles, inspiring experiences, and important tips to help you navigate life's challenges while strengthening your faith. But that's not all. Our website is also a treasure throve of resources, including podcasts, videos, and things that are designed to nourish your spirit and guide you on your spiritual journey listen. Whether you're looking for answers to life's biggest questions or looking for inspiration to overcome obstacles, we are here for you. Like this podcast, we are dedicated to providing you with the tools and the knowledge that you need to experience a profound transformation in your relationship with the Lord. But don't just take my word for it. Join our vibrant community of believers who gather every Wednesdays and Saturdays at 7pm for our captivating ministry events. Come and immerse your soul in worship, powerful teachings, and uplifting fellowship that will leave you refreshed and renewed. So if you're ready to take your faith to a new height, Visit our website and blog site in the description link below or send us an email at it's the love of God for me at gmail.com to connect with us. Bible Nation International, ignite your faith and embrace the divine.